Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Good morning. It's a good morning, isn't it? Don't be distracted by any smells that may be coming eventually from the kitchen area there. Just stay right here. We'll, we'll feed you a little bit here first and uh, promise you won't starve to death today. Uh, last night, I spent some time with my grandson. He and I had a little bit of uh, personal time together, and we were sitting at this restaurant, and he kept telling me, Papa, I'm starving. Papa, I'm starving, waiting for the meal. And I'm, I understand that, you know, as kids, but they don't quite understand that you're going to survive, okay? It's going to be all right. So you will survive today. You'll make it. And, uh, but... Uh, Thank you, Tony, last week for, for speaking, and I got to listen on the podcast to your message and was inspired, and uh, just going to that next level and thinking bigger, and, and uh, what, what we can do in Christ is amazing together, and uh, I, I do want to continue in the message I started uh, a few weeks ago, and believe the message, be the message, and we talked about believing the message, and uh, hopefully... I would say that we all believe the message, don't we? There is a message to believe, and what is that message? Just quickly run through just some of the things that I talked about. Obviously, the message is a lot of things, but just the one that that God is light. There's no darkness in him at all, right? Uh, God is love. Uh, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and it was his blood that he shed that cleanses us from those sins. Uh, All... uh, all really we have to do is believe Jesus Christ, say yes to him, and he comes and he dwells with us. He lives in us, and, and becomes a, we become a part of him, part of his life. Uh, Jesus is seated with his Father in heavenly places. And guess what? He is interceding for us. Right now he's interceding for you. That's a good feeling. Amen. Um, he is, Jesus is a reflection of God's glory, of who he is, his image. He's a, a, a direct reflection of that. Jesus is in the exact likeness he is, as we know, God, and he came to this earth. Um, we are to love one another. That's, that's part of the message, too, as well, as we love Christ, and that nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from God's love. Yeah. Isn't that good? That, that's good to know that. So if you were wondering about that, that's solid this morning. So today I wanted to talk about how we can be the message, be the message, so I, I want to speak to you today from a father's heart, a pastor's heart, from the heart of God, and I just believe God's given me some things to share this morning that will help us in our journey as we be the message. I don't know if that's saying that right. I know I'll probably get in trouble from the English majors, but for us to be the message, it's very important. Lord, I just pray right now, right, as we uh, look into your word, as we talk about some of the things that are practical for us today in uh, the things that we are experiencing in life, experiencing in life, and God, just from drawing from you, that you have a message for us. You've given us a message in your word. God, we believe your word. We believe that message. Now we understand the importance of being the message. And we thank you for this time today. Touch each one of us where we need to be touched this morning. Let our ears be open, our hearts receptive in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 
Well, just like Jesus, each one of us, we need to be a messenger. Jesus was a messenger. He came to bring a message. He was a messenger. And each one of us, we are messengers. Amen. We're messengers of a message. Every messenger has a message. What's your message? You've thought about that. Well, back in 1775, there was a man named Paul Revere. He was given a message saying that possibly the British were going to come and they were going to come after some areas that had military things, ammunition, different things stored. And so it was his responsibility to carry a message. And he was to go to some key people and bring that message. And Samuel Adams and John Hancock, who are names that we've probably all heard of, uh, he was to take a message to them and say, hey, watch out. This is what potentially is going to happen. And as he was going there on his horse riding, he was also alerting the communities. Hey, what did he say? The British are coming. The British, there was a message that he was given. It was written out to him. Here's a message to carry. And he was a messenger carrying a message. And so he was notifying everybody the message as he was going uh, along the way, alarming them, uh, the countryside and letting the people know, hey, here's the message that's coming. Well, each one of us have been given a message. We need to understand what that message is, and then we're carriers of that message. We're messengers. But I will say this, that the message can be drowned out at times by our selfish nature. I know it's hard to believe, but it can happen. And I've been thinking about this process, and I'm going to share some things this morning just from my heart in regards to this, and hope you'll understand and pick up on some things and grab a hold of some things and say, you know what, that's food for thought for me. Because certainly as I've gone through these things and the Lord's given me some of these thoughts that, that it, it stirred things in my own heart. And I was thinking about some common phrases that are spoken by people in the churches or church in America, in general, the churches in America. Things that I've heard, other pastors have heard, and just kind of the, the phrases, things that, that, that have been spoken throughout. And one of them is, I'm not being fed here in my church. Um, there's another one is, my needs just aren't being met. And then another one is, nobody cares about me in that church. So those are common things throughout America in the church. Those are phrases that are often spoken by people. Now, if you've said that, I'm, I'm not speaking against anybody saying that, but I will say this, when I, when I begin to... Uh, think about this, there's a tendency in that to have a self-centered nature in, that, in those types of words that are spoken. Now, hear me out in this, because it, it's important for us to process through this. In corporate gatherings like this this morning, we receive seed. This morning, I'm giving you seed. Okay, it's important to understand that. And if we're not careful we can find ourselves eating that seed instead of planting that seed or sowing that seed. And throughout the week, it doesn't allow, if, if we eat that seed, we don't end up having bread for our needs, bread to sustain us throughout the week. And then we, we, we are in this place of, I got to have more, I got to have more. But, but we forget during the week, there's bread that needs to be produced from the seed that we're given on Sunday. 
we think about that because we end up starving ourselves throughout the week because we're not eating the bread of life. We're eating this seed that was given on Sunday, and that, the expectation is that seed better last me. That seed that I'm getting on Sunday, that better be all what I need for my life. And we begin to think selfishly about just ourselves, yes. and not about what, what about what happens after. What what message can I become? But if I'm if I'm eating the seed, if I'm not if I'm not nurture, being able to nurture my body throughout the week, it it becomes very difficult. And and so therefore, kind of that self-centered thought process. And if we are over cons- overly concerned about what's in it for me, because going to church on Sunday, boy, I better get what I need today. I better get my needs met today. And there's nothing wrong with that expectations of God touch my heart today, meet my needs today. But if, that, if we're overly concerned about that, then the message can get blocked yeah. from flowing through the messenger. Yeah. Do, you, do you understand what I'm saying this morning? That, that can happen. And I, and I don't believe that God's main purpose or his intent for the church, the local church on Sundays, to become a buffet diner, diner, a buffet line, where you just go and you just pork out and eat everything, and then you go home and you, get, and you roll into your recliner and wait for next Sunday. Yeah. That, that's not being a message. Yeah. You, you keep getting filled with the message, but at some point, what are we doing with that? And then we end up complaining because whatever we got on Sunday wasn't up to our satisfaction. Again, because we ate the seed. Instead of take that seed and say, God, what do you want me? How can I multiply that seed? Lord, it's not for me to consume all of that. Yes, I get some sustenance from that, but God, how do I plant that? How do I sow that seed? How do I become a messenger for the message? And you're not going to get the nutrition out of the seed that you would if you planted it and grew and were able to turn that into bread. Yes. And it will sustain you more. Here's what we need to be. We need to be a Jesus-centered community where we can be the church, where we are given full access to love one another, yes. give grace to one another, to experience God and exercise our faith together. That's what a coming together and gathering. What about the person seated next to me? What about the person in front of me or behind me? Be thinking that. How how can I be a message to them? And then when we get out of this place, out of the four walls, and we leave and we go into the community, my goodness, what an incredible opportunity we have. But if we've, all we've done is just eaten the seed, we have nothing to give, and we're just thinking about, I better get something next Sunday. So that's kind of where I begin to think about where those statements come from. Nobody cares about me. I'm not being fed. I don't, my needs aren't being met, those kind of things. And I, and I want to challenge you today and in, in, uh, encourage you to look at it differently. Look at it differently, as I've shared with you this morning. I want to give you this first scripture in Matthew 23, starting in verse 37, where it says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important to what? Love your neighbor as yourself. This is where we see the exciting part of life. Yes, it's exciting serving God and loving him. But this is the transition point when we start loving our neighbor and we start being Jesus to those people. We become the message from the messenger and we're reaching those people. We're loving on them. We're seeing there. We're finding where's their point of need and we're doing what we can. I was recently looking at some statistics. I like to do that occasionally. But it's interesting because while about 74% of Americans say they're Christians or they claim Christianity as their faith, a recent research showed that as few as 9% of Americans, Americans actually hold a biblical value, world value, a biblical worldview, and are active in their local church. And I say that word, active. 74% say, yeah, Christianity is my faith. But the reality is only 9% say, I hold a biblical worldview and I'm active in my own local church. That's a huge discrepancy. And something needs to happen here. And that's why I'm, I'm speaking to a gap here. And I'm not putting any of you in that gap, but I'm just saying as a pastor, it's important to communicate these things. That's over 60% difference in what people say versus what really happens. And the actual worldview of America can be summed up probably that people believe God exists, but he doesn't get involved in their day-to-day life on this earth. That's not God to them. They feel like they've been called to figure things out on them, their, their own. Can do, they can, whatever challenges they face, they can do those things. They can tackle those things. Um, God doesn't really have a bearing on my day-to-day life. He, he's there. I know he's there. I believe he's there. I believe he created this world. And, uh, but if a crisis happens, uh, something, a death in your family, a challenge, an illness, uh, something really blows up in your family, then... Yes, that's what God's for. That's when I go to God. That's when I need him. And so that's kind of the thought process of the average Christian in America. So they're not seeing it as we see based on the biblical worldview of who God is and what actually Christianity is. And so that's not a Christian worldview. It's really uh, an American cultural phenomenon, really, because when you think about uh, When people are pressed to name their faith, they'll say Christian, really. But does that really, what does that really mean for most? So I'm here to encourage us this morning that there's a message that we've been given. We need to believe that message, and then we need to be that message. And it's more than just stating, yeah, God exists. It's more than that. I will say historically, above all else, true Christians really, um, they were, I would say, they're obsessed with who Jesus is. It was a passion. They pursued Jesus with, with everything. They did their best to love others as Christ loved them. That was the important part. They absolutely loved their local church and the community beyond their local church. Those are, those are values that you see historically 
what would be considered Christian values, that they were passionate about Jesus, they were passionate about their church, they were passionate about people, and, and what incredible things happen. And I think the importance that and the value that we place should be on people, not things that are done or not done. Because those in a local church or in the community, because we can always pick on the things that we see are wrong. Well, they should have done this, or they didn't do that. They should have done this. Instead of placing our value and focus on programs or things, let's place the value on people, because that's the heart of God. He always addressed the heart of people. And, and that was the key that Jesus, how Jesus became very successful in his walk here on earth. The dominant, I believe, biblical, one of the biblical values for, for, for Christians, for church, really is family, because that's, that's a big focus. Jesus talked a lot about family, and he, and he correlated uh, his, uh, the, the, his church. He loved his church. He gave his life for his church. That's his family. And so that's so important to God. And our, our perception of the church would change if we begin to see it probably as a family and apply the characteristics of family. What, what are some characteristics of family? Unconditional love. I mean, how about not being self-serving? How about massive amount of grace? I mean, that, you know, the, these are uh, purpose. Uh, have all of these things that, that, that we have, respect, um, valuing each other, all of these things that we see as family. And if we could carry that into the local church setting and into our community, what an incredible impact we can make. Amen. Amen. That's how the church is supposed to act. It is. It's not supposed to be uh, this uh, contentious uh, complaining and, and tearing each other down. That's not how God's design the church or set it up. But our tendencies are to attack those we love or those that we're around. But God is saying there's something greater. There's a message. There's a message that he wants to get to us and he wants to get it through us. The family in itself is, as we know, like I said, it's not self-serving. And we get to take these characteristics and we get to share them with everyone. And that should be part of our mission. It brings meaning and purpose and direction to people's lives. And every moment there's something. It takes the good news, which is the gospel, the good news, and it is good news. We know it's good news. And it takes that, which is really the fix that ails so many people around us, the good news. It is. It's the fix. It's the thing, the gospel, the good news can come into somebody's life and radically change it. You're eternally loved by God, and, we, and, and infinitely valued. And there's value that I believe that people don't place on life that needs to be there. There needs to be a high value on life. And we see that in our culture today. There's not a value on life, whether it's newborn uh, or babies or, or elderly people. The value is trying to be stripped away to make it so that life, really whatever happens, don't be too concerned about it. Uh, let's make it convenient for everyone. We don't want to have to the inconvenience of a baby. We don't want the inconvenience of the older people. And that's being fed. And that is so wrong and, and contrary to biblical principles. And, and that was just a little side thing. But I, I, I want to encourage us, family and, and people, are. we need to 
place a high value on it because God places a high value there. Mark chapter 16, 15. And this was after Jesus' resurrection. And, he, and he's telling his disciples, he said, it says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to a couple of people. No, to everyone. What's our responsibility? Come to church on Sunday, hear a good word, enjoy some worship, and go home and wait for the next Sunday. No. What are we doing? We, we have to be the message. Who, who's going to do it if not us? We're called to do that. We can be the good news. You are the good news. You are the good news. Yes, Beverly, you are the good news. Yes, you are, and I know you are. We love having you here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 4. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy and the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you, which we all go through. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. We are the message by being a reflection of the good news. And the imitated, There's, we need to imitate Jesus and the message that he brought. We need to be imitators of that. Not imitation, it's Im, we need to imitate a reflection we need to imitate or be a reflection of God's heart for people to people. We should understand and fully know what his message is and his heart for people because we need to be those. He put us here on earth to be those to reflect, to give, to be the voice. With the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of each one of us, the power of the Holy Spirit at work wherever we go. And we do it in such a way that when the Holy Spirit prompts us to speak, to pray, to encourage, we do it. That, that's all we really need to be is responsive to the Holy Spirit in that because you're going to be around people. I guarantee this week you'll have an opportunity and you'll think about this <laughs> this morning. There's an opportunity to be a reflection. There's a scripture in Philippians 1.27, this is God's word translation. There's several translations, but I like this one in particular. I've used it maybe a couple of times. But I like what it says, how it says it. It says, live as citizens who reflect the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or whether I stay away, I'll hear all about you. I'll hear that you are firmly united in spirit, united in fighting for the faith that the good news brings. Some good things that are said for us. Again, be the message is what it's saying to us. And what? Reflect the good news. We are to reflect the good news. I want to, in a moment, tell this story in the Bible, one of the parables in the Bible. I want to read this first couple verses in Luke chapter 15 uh, in here just to kind of set this up. Because it's interesting what is stated here. 
Luke 15, 1, it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I think that's pretty cool. Some people didn't think it was very cool. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. How dare Jesus do such a thing? My goodness, you... The teachers of the law, those who are supposedly know all of these things, and they are with Jesus there, and they are very upset. The fact that Jesus would associate or talk to or or even have a meal with somebody who was a sinner, somebody that they didn't agree with, they complain. I, I think about that, I think, man, unbelievable in the sense that But that still goes on because I believe there's a religious spirit, religious attitude that can be carried on that we can grab a hold of because sometimes we'll judge. And we do that. We judge people. Well, I sure hope that person, you know, doesn't get come in the doors or I I hope I don't have to talk to that person. When Jesus is saying... Come all, come to me, all you are her weary and heavy laden and burdened. All, anybody, come. He welcomes anyone because he, he wants to hang around. And then the reality is those, those are the people that listen to him. Those are the people that say, there is life in what you're saying, and I need that life. It's the people, the religious spirit, those that think that they know everything and they have it all figured out. They, they don't want to hear it. It makes total sense why Jesus would rather be with the heathen, with the, the sinner, the one with the great need. Because there's a connection there. There's, there's something that he's able to give out of a, a message that he has, and they're receiving that message, and they're taking new, uh, sustenance and nutrition from that message. And he walks away feeling that's what it's about. Too many people are focused on religion instead of on relationship. And Jesus was so focused on relationship. And so Jesus told the parables in this section of scripture about the lost sheep, told the parable of the lost coin, and was talking about how the importance of leaving the 99 and going after the one and how valued they are. It's not that the 99 aren't valued, because they are. But they're fortunate to be in the fold, in the fold, in the flock. They're being fed. They're being taken care of. The people that are in a local church, they should be fortunate. Man, we're part of a good flock. We're part of a good family. And, and, and if so, if, if, we're, if we're as a church, we're out trying to find these that are lost, it's okay. It's good. That's healthy. That's what we should be doing. We don't want this mentality, well, I don't know. We shouldn't be out doing that. We should be, you know, feeding the flock more. I understand all that. And, and we're here to do that and feed the flock. But let's not get the, the mentality of it's just whatever happens in these four walls. That's just our message and our mission. Our mission goes far beyond that, as we know in the, in the verses we've read and, and what we're encouraged to do. So then it goes into this, to this um, parable about this man that had these two sons. And the younger son comes to the dad and said, Dad, I, I'm, I'm kind of tired of being, living this life here at home. <laughs> I want my inheritance now and so I can go and experience what life really sh- should be like. And his dad, okay, son, here's your portion, and your brother gets the other portion. So his son takes his money, packs his clothes, and he heads way out of town. 
He's out there living the good life. Pretty soon that money runs out. He finds himself very hungry. There was a famine that hit, and he finds himself in a bad place. He finds a pig farmer and says, hey, man, I'm, I'm starving. I need a job. So he said, hey, go out. you can go out and feed my pigs. He's out feeding the pigs, and the food that he's feeding the pigs starts looking really good to him because he's, he's, he's got nothing. He's starving. Bing, thought comes to his head. Man, I had it good at home. I had everything taken care of at home. I, I had nothing to worry about. There was plenty left over at home. So he started thinking about that and thinking how, what a wrong decision he made. Kind of a smart kid now. He's starting to, to get it. Man, I sure wish I could go back home. I know I, I don't have the value to be a son anymore. But if I could at least be a servant, I can go home and ask my dad. Hey, dad, yeah, I screwed up. I messed up. But can I at least be a servant? And so he decides to go back home. He's coming down this long driveway, and his dad happens to see him coming down this long driveway, with, lined with the fat calves, the, the, all the beautiful trees, uh, the LED lights on the trees. It's just this beautiful setting. The sun's coming, and then the dad sees it. You know, the dad could have just went, oh, I don't, I can't believe he's coming back. Now he looks that's my son. He starts running toward his son, full embrace. And the, and the son is, Dad, please forgive me if I could just be a servant. It's like, son, are you kidding me? We're going to kill the fatted calf. We're going to throw a party. You're home. This is a celebration. This is a time of celebration. Well, his brother's out in the field working, and he hears this music and this noise and stuff, and come, he's coming in. What's going on? Oh, one of the other servants saying, well, you know, your, your brother came home. Your dad's throwing a party. He throws a fit. What? I've been working and toiling all around here my whole life, and nobody's ever thrown me a party. Nobody's ever been giving me all that stuff. But the dad is saying, hey, this is a time to rejoice. This is a, this is a time to celebrate because your brother's back. Your brother is here. We need, we need to celebrate. He said, son, you've always been with me. You've, never, you've done everything that I've asked you to do. You, you've been there day in, day out. And I love you. You're, you've been great. But your brother who was dead, who was gone, he's come back to life now. He, he's here. We, we need to celebrate the fact that he's back, that he's found and I was thinking about these three key people in this story. Thinking of first of the younger one, he really didn't appreciate what he had. So he left thinking there was something better. But because of his experience of losing everything and nearly dying, he learned what it was to appreciate something. Sometimes it takes for those who have to experience not having in order to really appreciate what they have. And that happened with this son. And so it changed his whole thought process. It changed who he was. He grew up. He became wise as a young man. Maybe not have happened if he hadn't done that. The older son couldn't really see beyond his own selfishness. It was all about him, his complaining. I've been going 
to this church for 20 years, and nobody's really done for me what they just did for that guy that just came in the door. Selfish attitude. Not thinking of anybody else but themselves. Not realizing that the purpose is to reach the lost. To reach the lost. To throw a party when the lost are found. We shouldn't be jealous. We shouldn't be offended. We shouldn't be hurt when people come in and their lives are celebrated when they accept Christ. And we focus on them to get them cleaned up, to get them discipled. Yeah, there's a little more focus that goes that way. We should all be okay with that, especially those of us who have been in the church a while. We should understand that that's good. It's time to celebrate. It's time to celebrate. The, the father had an incredible understanding of a loving heart and unconditional love and grace. He had a full understanding of that. He was a wise man. He understood what it was to be the message. Who was going to be the message for that young man? It wasn't going to be his brother, but the father became the message by transferring what he believed the message was from his heavenly father, transferring that to his son. Just that embrace, that say, we're going to party, son. We're going to kill the fatted calf. We're, we're going to rejoice. Wow. Now that's the message that we need to be. Yes. Not the message of, well, you messed up. You know, if you just get your life right and then come in here. You know, go, go fix it first. Or whatever our thought process, that's, we need to have the heart of God in what we're doing. Yes. So my question is then, what drives us as believers? What really drives us as believers? Is it our faith in, in him? and Is it our love for him and our love for God, our passion for him? Is, is that what drives us? Or is it, well, I sure hope that I get fed next week. I'm, I'm going to try to make it through this week. Hope I just get through tomorrow. That can't be our passion for life. That can't be what we're looking at or what we want to do. Just hoping that tomorrow will be better than today. No, we have to be passionately in love with God. Understanding his heart for people, having that same, loving people, caring about our community. So what do you need to be for those around you that need to hear the message? What do you need to be for them? To, for them to experience the good news. What do you need to be? Well, I can tell you a few things. We need to be hope. We need to be love. We need to be forgiveness. We need to be understanding. We need to be compassionate. We need to have grace, radical grace at times. We need to be life-giving. Because our tendency could be that we, we, our first thing is judgmental, selfish, arrogant, prideful, all these things that our tendencies can be but what we need to be for people is all the things that Jesus already has been for us and proven himself to us by dying on the cross for us. There are prodigals or people living like prodigals all over our community, all around us. They're all around us. We see them. We pass them every day. We talk to them every day. We see them at the gas station or grocery store. They're our neighbors. Can we be the message? Can we be the message? I'd like to ask if the worship team 
come at this time. Uh, I hope that I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning, because that's really my heart to do that. I'm not here, here to do anything other than to bring an, be an encouragement, because I'm, I believe that this morning I'm giving you seed. I just want to make sure you're not eating that seed, and that you take that seed and you sow that seed. Because when you eat the seed, you don't have bread for nourishment. You don't have anything to give others. It's important that we absolutely 100% believe the message. That we become that messenger that Jesus was, and we could be the message. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 